Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Side with Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. What's up, brother? Um, things are good, Andrew. I, uh, you sent me a text today and to announce news to me, news that I had avoided because I was busy, I wasn't on Twitter. Mm-hmm. and thought my brain was going to explode uh, when I got it. it I mean, this was my reaction when I, when I heard the news about World Cup 2030. Oh, for f***. Like, I'm so jaded. I'm just like, oh, for f***. You know, yeah. I, I, I remember just the joy of hearing where the next World Cup would be and getting so excited, preemptively excited many, many years beforehand. And now I'm old and cynical and I've seen too much FIFA. Um, and this this, uh, this didn't do a lot for me. Yeah. Um, we'll get to Champions League stuff, but I we'll start with this while we're talking about it here. What is it about, like, in my brain, when I, so when I saw it too, I had the same reaction. I was just like, why? Why do we have to do this? Now, then there was a small part of me that was like, all right, we'll snap out of it. Like the games are the games and like you're not going to be thinking about the country or the continent where the game is taking place when it's going on. Does it really matter? And like for me, yeah, it does. It does matter. I I I need your help cuz I'm I'm having a hard time articulating why it matters to me so much. Maybe I just like the tradition of it. I like the idea yeah. of just one country coming together and getting behind the event. It doesn't impact it doesn't really have an impact on the play, which is ultimately the thing that's most important, but I I'm just having a hard time articulating of why it is that it that it bothers me so much. I think it's because FIFA just do this stuff now. This is just what they do. And they bullet, they push it through, and it feels as if 
it feels half baked idea, not really thought through, trying to keep everybody happy across several continents. It feels like politicking as well, rather than something that's that's been thought out. Well, here's well, an idea. Here's well, in this, an idea. in this case, though, JJ, I think I think the thing that bothers me most is that I think it has been very thought out, like ex- like in a cynical way. Think about what happened here. Like, let's do a little bit of dot connecting. So there's going to be a World Cup in three different continents. So Africa, Europe, and South America. And then what did FIFA say right after they came out with this announcement? Oh, by the way, in the 2034 World Cup, we're not going to have back-to-back continents hosting. What have they just done, JJ? They have paved a beautiful path for Saudi Arabia to host the 2034 World Cup. And I think that they're hiding behind the pageantry of a 100th anniversary. Let's just let's throw South America a bone here and really get what we want out of this, which is a, a World Cup in Saudi Arabia in 2034, where they're basically running on a pose now because South America yeah. just wasted their bid on three effing games in the 2030 World Cup. I think that's, yeah, that's what just a, happened. That's actually really well done by you. Can I say that when you sent this to me, I read the headline and then thought as little about it as possible and thought, I'm just going to lean on Andrew for this one. <laughs> I get that. I have I, topics like that I all the time. Hate, too. I just, yeah, I, I don't. This this annoys I, I, me I, and I'd rather avoid it than spend mental stress thinking about it. Absolutely. And my head is exploding like I, I am. I am literally in my life now, the guy that's spinning plates and these plates are at least three of them are going to come crashing to the floor at some point. Um, and so when I get a text like this, instead of mild irritation, I suddenly feel a deep, deep, profound sadness <laughs> that 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 and it's not your fault. It's nobody's fault. Um yeah, Gianni Infantino's that's, fault. Well, because that, that, but I get it though, because it it just feels like another step in FIFA taking this thing that was just so perfect. Mm. Thirty-two teams in a country to win the this trophy that's once every four years that we hold in this high regard. And at first they pushed it up to forty-eight teams. Now they've expanded it to being played in six countries. You know what's you? I mean, follow the progression. What's the next step here? It's going to be every two years. Like, I, I just want to get re- people, like, just just keep following where this is all going. Like, and at Arsene some point, Wenger, we're going to get there. And Arsene Wenger, who spent a lot of time being a guy who was caring about player welfare as a manager and a guy that thought there was too much football, is now the front man for, a two, for an every two-year World Cup uh, because FIFA pay him to do that and to say that it's just... I don't know. Eventually, greed just destroys everything. Money just destroys everything. And and we are in the last... I, I felt like Russia... And, and by the way, Russia was deeply, deeply flawed and deeply imperfect. But I, I remember saying on this podcast, enjoy Russia because it's the last one. The last proper one. Um, and, and like as much as we want 2026 to be kind of amazing... And it will be, I think, because we've just managed to wangle the majority of games. It's still a, it's still a huge undertaking for fans and supporters to try and spread themselves amongst Canada and the United States and Mexico. And if things fall the wrong way, it's going to be very hard for for everybody to kind of enjoy it, like a self-contained tournament. Um, I mean, America's so huge on its own. That's the thing. The size of the U.S. It's almost the the different, like playing in Toronto and Vancouver is no different than like Seattle 
and Boston, like, like in terms of the people like having, having to, all you just have I know, to do but have like, a passport. Available. But even like the, you know, just, there's just no regard for fans, for supporters, for, for anything other than hoovering up large amount of cash. I just don't We're, like the idea of being told one thing. Like FIFA thinks, like if they wanted to honor a hundred years of of the World Cup, then just have the damn thing in South America. Like yeah. I just feel like they think they're pulling one over on us to get that World Cup in twenty thirty four in, through in them Saudi immediately. Arabia. You've seen through them immediately. By the way, Tarek Panja, our our friend from the New York Times, I mean, he tweeted out something. FIFA don't do. They didn't even do a press conference to announce this. You no. know why? Because right. somebody, somebody who's done a little bit of research like you is going to say, isn't this just a ploy to open the door for an unopposed Saudi bid? And and like, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it that way. In fact, my first thought was, my diseased brain, what about Project 2030 or Vision 2030, which is the whole, um, um, Bin Salman's whole project for Saudi Arabia. I watched Brett Baer's Fox interview with him, by the way. All forty-five excruciating minutes of it, um, and or maybe it was an hour. I can't remember, but my brain was mush by the end of it. Um, and and like these these guys are dead serious. I mean, um, Mohammed bin Salman basically just said sports washing. I fine, I'm okay with the term if it gets me one percent more of GDP growth. I am I'm doing it. I thought that's it. Like so, um. FIFA, FIFA are going to be just as brazen as Saudi Arabia and the money they will make for upfront immediately from Saudi Arabia will be so, so big. Like they won't have to do anything I know. just to get wads of cash in. Um, speaking of, have you anything else on this? Because I really want to get to the football, but I've, I've won more thing in the World Cup. Sure. Um, and the World Cup just passed, which was at Christmas, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I think once we let that happen, the World Cup was gone, wasn't it? Really, once we let oh, that happen, g- game's gone. Game's gone. Game's gone. <laughs> um, David Beckham is launching his uh, his Netflix documentary, which we will review on this podcast. I'm um, excited for this. I am too, and also really worried because I don't believe, with the exception of the Last Dance, I don't believe that the best documentaries. Uh, about anything involves heavily the main protagonist. We've moved into an era of that. We have. And, and they're still very good, but I they're... do agree with you in that it does feel a little bit sometimes like something is is missing from them that you're just not going to get if that if the protagonist is involved. Whereas ESPN had to coax Michael Jordan. I don't think Michael Jordan wanted to do it initially. Like it took a long time for this to happen and um uh, so so I feel like there was a reluctance there, and I feel like they did get a lot out of out of Jordan and a lot of new footage and stuff like that. And we learned we learned a lot. But anyway, I'm not so hopeful for this one, but I'm absolutely going to watch it one thousand percent because I lived every day of this whole Beckham thing. Um, but Beckham was asked uh, by a reporter um, about for the first time I've heard him speak about it uh, about taking or being an ambassador for the Qatar World Cup. And he had this astonishing thing to say. 
once we were there, we knew that there was going to be people that were going to either talk about it a little bit more or let the football do the talking. And I think it was a great tournament. A lot of people were happy there. No one came up to me. I had a lot of conversations with the LBGTQ people when I was there, um, community when I was there, and they said they'd been treated perfectly fine, they'd enjoyed the games, uh, they felt it was the safest World Cup that they'd had for, for a long time. Um, so no, I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was, a, it was an important competition and one that I was proud to be part of. So Beckham says he spoke to LGBTQ plus people who said it was the safest World Cup um, and he spoke to them in Qatar. Now, like, why? This is a man who's been pilloried left, right, and center about taking Qatari money, and he's only saying this now. Like, that would be the first thing I would do if I was under pressure. Yeah. I would say, hey, I've spoken to, now he said community and people, which makes me think, oh, so did he, he did he speak to individual gay lesbian uh, trans people bi people did he did he talk to those people did he talk to a group like if this did happen that would be I would be out there with a press release I would be out there with an interview and I'd be naming names and addresses <laughs> like I I swear to god because he he really did get it um in the press and 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 um particularly left wing media for for that position uh, that he took, or the position he didn't take, because he never spoke about it. So I was surprised to hear this. Um, but I, I know it's not the forum, and I'm not saying I do it. I thought it was brilliant by that Sky reporter to ask the question, because he doesn't get asked the question ever. But I, by the same token, I would have loved that if she had said, "What groups did you speak to? What, what LGBTQ people did you speak to?" Like, put him on the spot here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I know that kind of journalism. You've been invited along for the premiere or something, and you're asking this question, a follow-on, which which kind of nails him on the answer he's just given, is unlikely, but I, I would have loved to have heard it. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I was just, I was surprised that that he did that, that he said that, because now I think people are going to dig and ask questions. Um, and if he's put on the spot, what's he going to say, Miss, um, Mister Trevor McKay, Mister Trevor McKay, Trevor McKay, and Mister Anita Les, I mean, and Leslie. You know, like <laughs> I'm, I, I hate calling him a liar, but I, like, I'd want to know. Tell me who these people. I, I swear to God, if I came under the pressure that he was under, I would have been front and center with this. And, um, and so now I'm surprised to hear it. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, well, I'm excited for this documentary because uh, even I, it, yeah, so he's just, I mean, he he's did... just such an important football figure of this generation that I feel like you know, for however public he is, weirdly, I feel like I don't know him all that well. No, um, I mean he's he's not. I wouldn't describe him as a private person necessarily, and yet I feel like I am going to learn a lot through watching it. And I, and I also think, though, that a lot of the stuff that happened to him in his life uh, are, the, are the, you know, because all these, like, the arc must be um, comes from a lowly background, works his way up, success, success, success. Oh, 
something tough's happened. Tough times, tough times, tough times. Negotiate your way out of tough times. Art goes up. Man redeems himself. And that comes from the 98 World Cup and what happened afterwards. But I... Is there much more to him than that? I, like, that's my question because that's that's the centerpiece of the whole documentary. And I'm, you know, I hope the rest isn't just haircuts and... I don't think it, that would that would surprise me. Mm-hmm. I think there will be know. more substance than that. I, I yeah. I mean that's I, part like, of it. Like his his icon status is is somewhat based on on all of that, um, and the role he plays in pop culture beyond just sports. But I think there will be more than that. There has to be. There has to be. Well, um, we will open. We will go with open minds, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, we always and do. We will. We will delve into it. Well, JJ, let's go from that to the club that he really built his legacy at in Manchester United um, and the Champions League uh, as they lose at Old Trafford to Galatasaray, who come to Old Trafford and leave with a, their first ever win on English soil. Yeah. Um, some initial thoughts on this. First off, before getting into the United side of it, uh, what a incredibly memorable night for Wilfried Zaha, who got his start at United and either wasn't good enough to play there or didn't have the right attitude or whatever. Well, he, he went there. He was transferred there. And then, oh, he did have, a, did he have a start at United? Uh, yeah, I thought he did. I mean, I'll go up and I can look up and see if there was a club before that, but I thought that was really where he was as a young player. Um, no, no, no. It was, he was, he was transferred to United from Palace. Didn't work out. And then went back to Palace. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, he he goes back there and has himself an incredible game. I believe he took home man of the match honors, scored the opening goal. What a I mean, such an interesting goal. Ball just kind of smashed downfield and just pure strength to yes. hold off Dallow the way that he did, uh, and still able to have the the power to to get it home. Now I know it took a big deflection off Dallow's leg, but he put himself in position to be able to get to that ball. Um, but just, yeah, just watching it, you know, seeing his celebrations afterwards and even hearing him talk before the game, you knew this meant an awful lot to him, uh, not just to come back to England after he's left to go play in Turkey. And there's a little bit of like an out of sight, out of mind thing with guys who do that. But now he's back in England and he's back at that club that kind of gave up on him. Um, yeah, they did. Just, just they what, certainly a, did. what a, what a great night for him. And that was the feeling he had about the whole, like he, he was embittered. He put his hands straight to his ears as well. Like it was, it was a catharsis for him. Also, it's Wilfred Zaha in the Champions League on a big night. Something that I would have thought we would have seen by now. It always no. surprised me that he remained at Palace for as long as he did. There was, there was a, there was a timeline where he went to Everton. Remember, Everton were were desperately close to sign him at one point. Now, Everton weren't quite as as risible as they are now, um, but they were quite close to getting him. And and I just think. The road less traveled. It, it's it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, we saw uh, we saw um, a few guys like Dries Mertens, you know, spent so much time at Napoli and then he goes, he's going to Galatasaray. Now I know there's money at Gala. I know there is, but um, it's kind of cool to see players end up in these odd spots and Wilfried Zaha has one of them. There's not that many English players going to Turkey and being uh, uh, very successful. And, and at 30, he could still have gone somewhere else. Um and and uh and taking one big payday in England and stayed in England, but I like seeing players go abroad like that and do that, especially English ones, because it's this kind of rare thing. Um, 
it, it was it, it was such it was such an inch it was a very good game for a start and it's a game united could have won but they didn't and that kind of sums up a lot of what's gone gone on with ten hag i would say since the carling cup final uh the carabao cup final last season um cup final now which in the cold light of day was not the signal that united were back um in fact it may have been a mirage something an oasis in a desert rather than a, a sign that uh, you know you were back but um watching the game i thought you know there is something there with manchester united like there is but there is also the kind of bad signings the the or the or the short term the short termism that's 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 held them back for so long um what, what's interesting about galatasaray andrew is this and manchester united they have history so it's in around 30 years since an infamous night where they went to Istanbul to play Galatasaray and like all the stories, welcome to hell. The bus was attacked. They were stoned coming off the field. It was just this awful atmosphere. And those were the early years, 1992, 93, 94, the early years of Fergie in the Champions League after winning the title. So it was kind of, United were finding their feet as a European superpower. And by the end of the decade, they would be they would be champion, uh, uh, Champions League winners in 99, and they would be a perennial kind of there or thereabouts team, team that were now part of the firmament of European football once again. So um, teams like Rotor Volgograd, IFK Gothenburg, and Galatasaray, these were teams that United, these were the first hurdles for United. It was never the bigger side. They used to go to the new camp and get thumped. Um, they had to get over these teams before they could ascend to the top. And so if you're a United fan of a certain age, it's psychologically jarring <laughs> to lose to Galatasaray at Old Trafford. Like it's it 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 brings back like memories of, of where you once were. And I was listening to the Guardian Football Weekly, and they kind of were on a similar vein of thought to me. Barney Roney talked about how a decade has just slipped away at Old Trafford. And I'm like, it's a decade since Sir Alex Ferguson was there since the last title, right? We're also at the midpoint. If you track it from the first league title in 1992-93, we're at the midpoint. We're halfway through the Fergie era of, of real dominance. If you, can, if you don't count uh, the FA Cup in 1990 or the Cup Winners' Cup in 91 and you start with the league there, mm -hmm. which was all their huge success. You start with the Premier League. We're already at the halfway point of everything he did. So it's just like, it could, in a, in another few years, um, we're it's, sitting it, on the bar. It would be as though we're, we're not far off from them having like an entire Fergie era in, in length in the, being sort of evaporated into... In, in, in the wilderness. Yeah. Well, it'll always be there, but they'll be in the wilderness as long as that Fergie era was. Right. That's that interesting. Is, that is, I've been, I've been dwelling, dwelling on this, um, uh, because it shows my age too, um, which I'm becoming acutely aware of. Uh, that is, that's scary, man. That, well, for a United fan. I, yeah. Cause like nobody would have thought that that could happen. Like they had reached a level. It seemed like where this, like, yeah, they could have a blip, but it will always only be a blip. 
like I'm during this era in the per, the post Fergie era after Moyes, it was okay. Well, they'll they'll get this figured out right through LVG through Mourinho. Like Kept saying it, yeah. Like it, it was always like, well, it's United. Like the money, the brand, you know what they mean to the sport. They'll have they'll figure it out. Well, how long are we gonna keep saying that for? So yeah. I, that's that's interesting to think of it that way. And 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 there's another problem as well. Is like, why would the owners go anywhere? Now the owners are a huge problem at Manchester United. The the football department is not run well. It's lavishly funded. Don't kid yourself. It's lavishly funded, but it's not one well run. But when you see, what was it, nine hundred million they took in mid season in new revenue, new sponsorships, like why would the Glazers like United yeah. are wildly successful in one sense. In every sense, almost except the one that really matters, which is football and structures and and um, yeah, on the field, and that was a, that was a game that kind of exposed it. Now, again, it's a game they could have, probably should have won, but they didn't. And there's these games are building up now, and while I don't think there's any desire at the top to get rid of Ten Hag, I, I really don't because they don't they, they're wedded to him now. He's their guy, and also where they're going to go for the next guy. Um, it's it's getting to a point where they need a run of wi- wins anywhere, anyhow they can get it. Absolutely, they're bottom of the group, um, right now at this. It's still only two games, but still bottom through two. Uh, Gary Neville talked about uh, Ten Hag afterwards. Um, he said, "I feel very sorry for the manager. I know a lot of people say he has to do a lot better, and that's fine. He's the Manchester United manager, but there are big problems at the club. Which, to be fair, I think all managers have found over the last ten years. Until those problems are solved, we'll still continue to see underperforming teams and underperforming teams." Um, he, I don't know if he went on to identify exactly what he felt those bigger problems are at the club. You could, I'm sure. You know, we could rattle off a list of what those things are right now, recruitment being chiefly among them. Um, yeah. But, you know, even Ten, Ten Hag now, he's starting to get some of the questions too. I mean, he was asked whether he fears about his job. Um, and he kind of gave a long, winding answer. Um, it's not really, he kind of danced around the question. He didn't really answer it. No. Um, he then went in to say, if you know, talk about why this is going on, we're going to stick together. But then he said, if I give an explanation, then you will see his excuses. There are no excuses. We can't make the errors that we're making now. We have to do better. It's a simple fact. We have to win our games. Um, you know, the, the excuses thing is interesting. Like they have, they have been dealt, uh, you know, certain injury blows yeah. so far in the season, players who like Anthony players who were obviously a big fa- piece of what he wants to do. He wanted that guy there so badly. He's, you know, now working his way back into the squad, but was missing for a while. Mason Greenwood, all that craziness. So, um, you know, they, they've had a, a weird start and, and as a manager, he's had to navigate through some tricky things, uh, even at the start of his tenure last year with Cristiano Ronaldo, and he navigated that really well. Um, but there's always, it seems like they've never really been able to fully settle in since he's been there. It feels like there's always been a thing, even when things got good, then the Liverpool result happened. And that sort of like sent things spiraling a little like, I mean, how, how, what a way to follow up uh, your first, your first trophy. I'll get beaten seven nil by our biggest rivals. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and, and and that was and that started a tricky patch. Like if you look at their their form, really between the Carling Cup or the Carabao Cup final and the end of the season, just wasn't good. Um, and 
I, I, I don't know. Like there's, there's some things that I, a manager, I can't, you can't account for Andrea Onana doing what he's doing right now. I mean, unbelievable. He's so poor. He's he's a disaster waiting to happen at every moment. It feels like there's a I, confidence thing right now where that that is making him unplayable. Can't play him right now. Let him figure this out and then insert him back in. But I feel we're not there yet. I don't want to totally overreact. But when you see this guy who's supposed to be so good with his feet making passes like that, um, yeah. it's it feels like there's a confidence thing going on there with him. And also some of the goals that go by him. Uh, you're like you watch the replay, and you're like, "How close are his hands to getting that?" It's bad luck or bad goalkeeping. Well, who was and it on the broadcast? Was it Stuart Robson on the on the call of that one? Who yeah. for for Arcardi's winner, he seemed to point to Onana and say he he should he's, be staying up longer. He you know he made I that easier that than it needed to be. He's terrible in one v ones, or has been so far. Like shockingly bad. Like he either retreats back to his goal line, or he stands there and does nothing, or he he. He uh, he does what he did there, which was go down too easy. That that finish by Icardi was far too simple. It was good, but it was it was, it was very good. It was it was far too simple. Uh, yeah, he's not. I mean, that's a, that's a disaster. You know, you've gotten rid of a guy who was for all his flaws. How many times was he United's player of the season in the last you know ten years? You you decide he's too expensive. You have to move him on, and you bring in a keeper who has been. Pretty much a nightmare. Well, JJ, now, it's, the... it's especially bad because let's look around the league a little bit. Arsenal, Raya came in. He's done very well in a small sample size, but for the most part, he's done very well. Robert Sanchez. We just had Dan Dormer on from London is Blue. He said Sanchez has been like one of their only bright spots this season when we asked him about players that the fans are on board with. Uh, Spurs, they, they've kind of... Vicario. Vicario has been unbelievable for yeah. Tottenham so far. So you look around the league and other, other teams were able to find them. You know, Vicario cost half of what Onana did. Um, yeah. You know, and it's United who shell out all this money for a new goalkeeper and let De Gea go and, and look what the return is right now. It's, this stuff, I don't know, th- these problems just find them, it seems. Yeah, and, and then you have like a guy you're trying to bet in who's coming back from injury in Amrabat who gets absolutely torched for the Galatasaray second goal. Like, yeah. No, he does not. Off a he looks throw like in. Yeah. Like he gets spun and, and Gala are away. Again, pretty good goal, but at the same time. Now, if we're gonna if we're gonna do attempt to balance the ledger here somewhat, um Hoyland was brilliant for the opener and his own goal was yeah, sorry, that his second goal rather was brilliant too. Was it was almost van it reminded me a little bit of Ru Van Nistelrooy at Highbury um for United many moons ago. Like he just the pace to run away uh, from the defender, get in front of the defender, and then lift it over the goalkeeper. Like Hoyland looks the real deal. It's hard to be as as fast with the ball at your feet as a guy who's chasing after you without one. And yeah, you know, he, he doesn't look like to look at him. You wouldn't think that he's the, one of the fastest guys out there. But I was really impressed by that. It was a long way for him to run and carry that and get every touch right, and then finish the way that he did. Um, by the way, even the goal that was chalked off for offside, even that was a great finish. He was so composed in front of goal, took his time, let the defender slide by him, and then scored. Really like, I mean, it was a shame that that one wound up not counting, rightfully so. Um, but, I mean, if you are a United fan that's taking positives, I mean, my God, you don't have to look far for that one. Boy, I mean, 
if this season winds up being a dud for them in terms of where they finish in the table, let's say they don't get out of the group in the Champions League, but they unearth this gem, <laughs> I don't know. Would a United fan sign up for that right now? You're going to finish sixth this year, uh, but Hoyland is going to be a superstar when this is all said and done, and you'll have you won't have to worry about that position moving forward. Mm, something to think about. I said there's a couple of predictions coming true for me. Like it was it was an outrageous one that United would be really bad and Anana would be terrible. That's come true now for me, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm banking that one here in October. Um, but but the other one that Hoyland would have to be important would have to be good. That's I mean, if he wasn't, if Hoyland hadn't made the start, he start he's made for United. Tell me where the joy is, Andrew. No, there would be none. There would be none. Now, I will say, because uh, we were a little bit hard on him uh, last week, I thought Marcus Rashford played really well in this game. He was a part of a lot of good attacking play for United. Um, he looked more threatening. And, you know, maybe that makes sense. If Hoyland is now there to fill that role and Rashford can kind of revert back to playing more out on the wing, like we know him to be where he's his best self, um, maybe the pieces will start to fit in into place a little bit more up front for them. Uh, defensively, there are still issues um, from their defensive midfield, from, like we said, their keeper, from the back four. Uh, that right now is looking more problematic for United, which I would not have, which I would not have guessed, I think, before the season started. Um, but we're seeing it now, and now they're going to be without Casemiro for their next Champions League match, as he was kind of forced into a second yellow with the mistake from Onana. Um, yeah, not not as many positives in the back right now for United as maybe what we're seeing up front. No, no. So, um, one yeah, that was a that's a terrible result. Really. Yeah. Last last thing I saw on this, I saw a stat that uh, from Opta that I just wanted to point out about United in the Champions League. Manchester United have lost seven of their last fourteen Champions League matches at Old Trafford. As many defeats as they suffered across their previous ninety six games there. Oh God. I mean that well, says the, a, that says a lot about the era we're in for them right now. The it really does. That they didn't lose there, <laughs> like uh, Fergie, whenever. Like that was not a like you go to Old Trafford and you'd lose there if you were the opposition. And now it's just not. Teams are not intimidated in the way that they were when they go to play there. They see it as an opportunity. And, that is uh, a that is a stat that separates two eras. Yeah. Um, let's see. Continuing now, JJ, another Premier League side struggling in this match day for the champions league as uh, it was a bad day for arsenal as uh, the gunners go up a goal and then throw it away against lens. And uh, in the process may have lost their best player in Bukayo Saka. That's not entirely clear yet as to exactly what his injury status is. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but, you know, looking at, at this game, I mean, Arsenal, they take that lead, but then lens come back pretty quickly. It all starts with a, I mentioned before, David Raya, Pass gets intercepted and then lens counter spectacularly well, I thought for that first goal. Oh, can we can we play the audio of the the Lens equalizer because that was oh oh my god this, it's it's my favorite goal of the Champions League so far. And forcing the mistake is Mercado, Wahi, Thomas on, fabulous, just fabulous. Adrian Thomason with that. Brilliant. One of the most unique one-twos you'll ever see with the, I, I can't remember who the player was, stretching to control it and flick it back to him. And then he just takes it with the inside of his foot on the volley. 
past uh, Raya. Just a brilliant goal. And that place erupts because that, that place was feisty before oh. kickoff. JJ, the atmosphere there was spectacular, I thought. Yeah. I, I mean, really, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. Those tight little purpose-built French uh, grounds are pretty great. And you forget, I think it was a few years ago, um, Leon put on a put on a real show. Um, yeah, the, the atmosphere is there, man. You know, it's people like to disparage it as a farmers league, but they've got some proper supporters. Yeah, yeah, no, they they showed out for this one. It was, I mean, they knew the occasion. Obviously, they're in, in the Champions League. This is not familiar territory for them, and they're playing such a high profile opponent in their first home game. I mean, whew, like, yeah, it was. That was really that was really something. And then the second goal for them, just breaking down the right, Arsenal not marking Wahi in the middle of the box, and it's it's another great finish, kind of trailing away from Raya, wasn't going to be able to reach that. Uh, yeah, and then that was that was really all they needed. Now I will say, good for them, but Lord knows Arsenal had some opportunities in this one. I mean, yeah. Tomoyasu on the corner kick, I don't know how he didn't score. I mean, I, I do know he smashed it centrally. But from like seven yards out and to hit it as cleanly as he did, I mean, I'd like to know the speed from just like seven yards away that that reached the lens goalkeeper at. The ball was flying, um, <laughs> but he just throws, who was it, Bryce Samba, who just throws yeah. a leg out and makes an incredible save, just pure reaction, because um, obviously there's no way he could have really had time to think about what was happening there. Um, yeah, that was there were opportunities for Arsenal that they that they probably feel like they uh, they squandered in this one. And then on top of all that, they lose Bukayo Saka, who has to come off pretty early in this game, um, which is which is not good. He lasted uh, 34 minutes, forced off with some sort of muscular injury. And, you know, it's kind of made, you know, Mikel Arteta had to talk about it afterwards, of course, because Saka limped off from Arsenal's last game over the weekend. Um, his last two games, you know, he's been struggling a little bit. They kept him out of the Carabao Cup midweek because they could tell, you know, there's there were some fitness issues there. And they've got Manchester City coming up at the weekend. I mean, it's it's undetermined right now, I think, from what I last saw as to whether what his availability is going to be for it. But I do wonder if they if they're pushing if they were pushing him a bit far uh in having him play this game, knowing the magnitude of the game coming up this weekend that maybe he will now not be able to play in. Yeah. I mean, he's just not replaceable. He's, he's not, I mean, any team would struggle if they had a guy like this to try and slot in someone else, but they're going to have to. Um, and it just caused them such problems now in, in, in the Premier League. I, I would, I think Arteta said it doesn't look good, but we, I still have not seen a report as to what the nature of the injury is. Right muscular is all i've heard yeah and those are nagging like those those that could follow him for a while that's that's tough you know it's frustrating for arsenal jj because it just feels like you know it's like whack-a-mole in terms of what their 11 is right now like a guy gabriel jesus gets healthy and comes back leandro trussard goes out with an injury now he's back healthy and now bukayo saka goes out with like they just can't quite nail down whatever their preferred 11 is gabriel martinelli he goes down like it's just this this like constant conveyor belt of individual injuries that are are all kind of piling up on them right now, and and it's it's a shame because it is such a good squad, but boy, is their depth being tested uh, at an early stage in the season? 
and they had such an easy outing against Bournemouth. Like they ran through Bournemouth. Yeah. <laughs> and then to have this kind of come back down to earth moment in uh, against Lens, I mean. And look, I'm not even mentioning the, the timber injury that kind of started all of this in the first game of the season. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've, we, they've been dealt. We keep banging on about depth and how, how important it is. And I mean, it knackered them towards the end of last season, losing Saliba. And we feel like we're, we could be in a similar point for Arsenal this season, but way earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is how, how it feels right now. I mean, it's just been one, and these are important pieces. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's been tricky for them. Uh, so yeah, tough two one defeat, but props to Lons. Uh, what a, what a memorable night that was for everybody who was, who was there in attendance for that one. Um, one other from Tuesday's slate, JJ Real Madrid and Napoli, uh, maybe the most fun game of these, uh, of this Tuesday, Wednesday match day two in the champions league. I mean, two big time clubs going at it. Uh, and it lived up to the hype Real Madrid go to Naples and they come home with all three points. Um, fun game. I, I imagine yeah. this is one. I, I know how highly you have kind of thought of Napoli over these last couple seasons. I imagine uh, that this was, even though they lost, a, a fun one for you. No, absolutely, it was. Um, it, it was a great. It, show, it kind of showcased both sides, and um, and Valverde's winner was so good. It is that was... is that the worst kind of own goal? Off the so, bar, off the back of the keeper, and into the net. I mean, I can think of way more comedy own goals, but I know in in the run of the mill own goal, it is. But I'll tell you why this one isn't, because it moves so fast, hits the crossbar, and hits his head and goes in. So or, or hits his back or whatever it was. Yeah. So quickly that the embarrassment factor is is almost. Oh my god! It's more like you're 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 luxuriating over the strike as opposed to like the comedy element that it came out and hit him and went in. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know it took about three replays for me to understand what it was that actually happened there. Exactly. So that made that while that's in the genre of, of the worst own goal, it's not the worst own goal. The, like if it, if it hits the post and he's lying on the ground and then it hits his back or his head and goes in, as we've seen from penalties. Um, well, it's kind of what happened to, Jordan Pickford earlier this season. Who? What was that against Sheffield United or Nottingham Forest? I forget which game it was, but that happened to him off the yeah. post, and he was like a few yards from goal. So like there was time for us to see the ball go off the post and hit him, and then go in. And yeah, and that makes it much much worse. Whereas this was more like, whoa, what a hit! What the hell happened there? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it should be noted as well that Jude Bellingham was was brilliant, uh, brilliant in the lead up. He had interception for. I think the for the Vinicius goal, mm-hmm. basically nipped the ball away from the Napoli player with a stretched leg and then slid it into Vinicius and then scored his own goal where he just kind of strolled through uh, the middle of the box and then guided a shot past uh, past the Napoli keeper. He's um seems like a good player, Andrew. Yeah, he is right. He right now, if we were keeping our a power rankings of who is the most box office player in the world, like if you if you have a hundred dollars and you can only spend it to watch one guy play. I think right now he's a, he might be atop those power rankings. So to look at those two goal involvements that he had, first the assist, JJ, when Di Lorenzo makes that pass for Napoli, I, I genuinely believe, I, I don't know that it was a bad pass. Now it wound up being one, but I genuinely believe he was stunned how long Jude Bellingham's legs are 
that he actually got to that ball and took it away. Like he probably go, didn't think he probably did not think that somebody was going to be able to intercept that ball. Go go gadget leg. Yeah. Yeah. Like that leg just keeps going. There's no end to it. Yeah. Uh, so he takes that away. And then, I mean, the finish from Vinicius too. Like <laughs> those two together, 23 years old and 20 years old. That that team, it's there's a little bit. I know they've got great players that are aging out, you know, Modric, Kroos, guys like that, but I'm scared for the young core of that team and how ridiculous well, they could be. At the risk of repeating ourselves about this, they literally targeted how can we get Camavinga, Bellingham, like just get players like that into the side. Just get the young midfielders in. Even Rod- how old is Rodrigo? Yeah. I mean, just load it up. Um, and it's also kind of, like you said, a passage of time thing with Tony Cruz and guys like that. But um, yeah, it's weird because they were so complacent um, the last time I watched them against Atleti, um, which we, I presume we'll have to just put it down as an off day. But um, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun game in Naples. But then the, that was the Bellingham assist. Then his goal. JJ, yes. we, we, I'm so glad that it happened. Because we were just talking about, you know, this incredible season he's having. However, if we were going to have, if there was going to be some sort of asterisk on it, it's been that a fair amount of these goals have been tap-ins. This, my friend, was no tap-in. This was ridiculous. He did so much work to get himself in position. The finish was spectacular. Uh, He, like, he needed this one. Like, his season so far has been, he's the MVP of everything that he's touched so far this season. But like, if he needed that defining goal, uh, he found it with that one. That was, that was so good. I think we should probably reevaluate tap-ins though, especially if you're a midfielder like him. I mean, that's a right place, right time, arriving into the box at the right moment. That's, that's, that's a real skill. That's not a goal portrait striker. Not that that's not a skill either, but um, maybe we should give him a break on the old tap-in. All right. Fair enough. Um, you have anything else on this one? New. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll look at some of Wednesday's games. Um, and uh, maybe before we get out to, we, we have to kind of put a bow on the fallout from the caught offside cup as as more information has been presented. Uh, delay, s- delay. Since, <laughs> since we delay. last spoke. Uh, so we'll do all of that. As we started. Coming up next. More caught Can't offside still to come. Can't do anything. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Back now on Caught Offside. The Phillies just won. God, I love 
love this team. I just playoff baseball, JJ. I don't know. It's there's something about it. I know we talked about Magical. this last year. I, I I just love it. It's it's just my favorite. My favorite thing. It, it is good, and especially when the weather is kind of nice outside and. Although probably unseasonably hot, but I think we have to get really used to that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's lovely this time of year. Yeah. Um, one thing before we get back to some of the Champions League stuff, I I wanted to mention this. The animals came through. Um, oh. a, a week or so ago, we were talking about Willy Wonka. I don't remember how we got to that, but whatever. Um, and so we were wondering what the what the hell is the setting of this this like mythical place that's comprised of so many real places. Murray, so, Germany in England. Yeah. Um, and so one of the animals this is from uh, Bashamo on Reddit. Um, he said the chocolate factory setting or city per the quote unquote internet. And then he includes here, it's presumed to be located in North America in the 1971 film and England in the book and 2005 film. After location scouting in Europe, including the Guinness Brewery in Ireland, JJ, and a real-life chocolate factory in Spain, production designer Harper Goff decided to house the factory sets in the massive chocolate room at Bavaria Studios. Uh It was also significantly cheaper than filming in the United States, and the primary shooting locations in Munich, um, in West Germany, made the setting conducive to Wonka's factory. Uh, Also says that they like the ambiguity and unfamiliarity of the location, uh, the town seen from above at the end of the film is uh, Nordlingen in Swabia, Bavaria, in Germany. Ah, located, I was right. Yep, east of Stuttgart, northwest of Munich. Um, so Some random German village. It still doesn't necessarily explain. So that's the setting from right. a, like a physical standpoint. Doesn't explain the decision to have half the cast speak with American accents and the other half speak with British accents, but eh, that's all right. No, no. And and then Augustus Loop. Of course, this darling. Well, well, we knew, but the, remember, some of the kids were pulled in from other parts of the world. That's right. So he was yeah. German. Like they show on a map, like they talk about other places that these people are coming from. But where Wonkaville was or whatever, I, I don't know. It's, Who was the worst parent for you? Um, let's see. Veruca's dad. There was something. He was awesome. And then uh, what's her name? The girl who turned into a blueberry. I didn't care for that father. Wasn't that the mother? No, I thought no, because he says I got a daughter for I got a blueberry for a daughter, right? He says that's right. That Wasn't he a car salesman or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't care for that guy. So at any rate, if one of those if one of those things could befall uh, Luke, if you had to pick like, one of them, what what would it be? Um, let's see, which one is the safest? Because, uh, I mean, I don't, uh, what happened to Augustus looked terrifying. I, yeah. I guess probably Mikey TV being shrunk down into like a six inch little figurine. I guess that one, you know, I could have more control over him that way too. So, so it's kind of a, a win for everyone. Um, yeah. No, I think I'm with you on that. Mikey, mm, I don't know. I don't know, man. Risky. All those particles up there in millions of tiny pieces. They're all risky. Yeah. They're all risky. Um, let's see. JJ, before we continue, uh, I'm so excited to tell you this. Obviously, and all of you know this at this point, the cutoff side is brought to you by Manscaped. But what you don't know, JJ, is this. Um, 
Caught Offside is brought to you by Manscaped, who's taken a big step from Balloween to bring you to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. That's right. We've moved up the body. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE for 20% off plus free shipping. That's right, JJ. I mean, for the last several months, we've talked about the men's below-the-waist grooming, but Manscaped is so much more. I mean, you and I are both bearded men, but not the kind that like just let it go. We try to keep it uh, trimmed you know, to a certain mm. level. And this new Manscaped handyman for trimming your, your beard, um, JJ, what I've used in the past to keep my beard trimmed, it's, it's simple. There's a one, a two, and a three. I have three settings. And mm. sometimes it's just not, that's not good enough for what mm. I'm looking for. JJ, you know, the, the new Manscaped handyman, just throw a number out there. Guess how many haircutting length settings it has. I have no idea. 20. 10. 20. Oh my, that, that is, that is, that is the kind of excess that I need to get my beard right. So you can mess with it. Like on one, two, and three, there's not a whole lot of room for experimentation. One time, no. if you're, if, if you want to go a little shorter, you, but you, you want to make sure there's stubble, you go down to like, you know, I don't know, you can try it at one setting, but then you have 20 settings to choose from. Uh, so until, you know, Mess with it until you find the one that's perfect for you, because one, two, and three is oftentimes not, you're not going to get the perfect uh, length on your beard. And this one, trust me, with 20 hair cutting lengths, you'll find it. Um, also, the like we mentioned, the skin safe technology helps reduce nicks, cuts, um, so you can finally feel confident when you're going for the close shave. It can be used for wet use, dry use. It's cordless. It's fantastic. It's a great product. All of Manscaped's products are. Um, and we're so happy to uh, to be presenting this to all of you guys uh, for 20% off and free shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE for a look as sweet as candy. Get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. Uh, let's see, JJ. Let's go to some of today's games. And the big one here, uh, the Saudis versus the Qataris, Newcastle and PSG. Yeah. I mean, what? What a ridiculously memorable night this turned out to be for those Newcastle supporters. This is sort of the, I mean, this is kind of look the the saw the ownership group that took it that took over here. I mean, obviously, this is about winning trophies, uh, and and that is the goal here. The money's not being pumped in the club just for you know run of the mill Champions League matches. However, this felt like a milestone night on the route to where they're, it is that they're trying to go. They're facing PSG, another very moneyed club, and to drop four on them, 4-1, uh, with that atmosphere, this is one of those nights that I feel like a lot of Newcastle fans, yes, qualifying for the Champions last year, like that was that was a moment they'll never forget, but this felt like a real, okay, we've arrived among the big boys now. Like We're, we're not just here, look what we're doing to them. This was a yeah, banner night for that club. And crushing them with a, a World Cup winner, Two-time World Cup finalist uh, Kylian Mbappe and his most his largest contributions to the game were every time a Newcastle goal went in, the camera immediately panned to him to show his utter disgust. Um, he had a there's a there's a meme. Uh, it's a very George Michael Bluth look to him, where uh, he has the head down, slunken shoulders. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the thing about this game was that PSG started decently, but 
then I mean, they did not have the kind of intensity that Newcastle had. I'm not, I'm not comparing PSG to Aston Villa, but remember when Newcastle crushed Villa earlier on in the season? There was like shades of that kind of intensity, and you're like, PSG just aren't at it. And then Marquinhos does what he does. Like, everything stems from that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're going to play a ridiculous ball like that, and it's just in front of your goal, and allow it to just come straight back in. Now, it's a good finish in the end for Miguel Almiron, but I mean, that just puts PSG on the back foot immediately. But they, if you think about the game, PSG should have opened the score and they had a lovely move. The ball falls to Dembele and he just drags it past the post. Now, it's a, it was a difficult opportunity. The ball was coming out of the sky, but it was still a, a great move. And I think if PSG score that, puts a different complexion on the game. Obviously, it does, but it gives them, it gives them a start, like a, a beachhead. And I don't think they get overrun. But in terms of like actually being physically uh, involved and and matching Newcastle for endeavor and running and and all the things that you need to do, they were nowhere near it in that first half. They were, PSG were so far off it. PSG were every bit the decadent kind of <laughs> Neymar Messi era PSG in terms of how they applied themselves in the first half, and Newcastle were. Obviously, Newcastle are moneyed, hugely moneyed, but they were much, much more robust, and they um they fed off the intensity of the crowd. Did they and, ever? Um, yeah, and 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 that's what it resulted in, like a four-one win for them. It's there's not much more to it than that. Yeah. Now, for however moneyed they are, and they are, um, however, it is worth pointing out. Keith Downey noted this on Twitter. Uh, Keith Downey of Sky Sports. Um, he. He points out no Botman, no Joe Linton, no Willock, no Wilson, no Barnes, no problem for Eddie Howe. Newcastle's most complete performance in many a year with 160 million pounds worth of talent out injured. Now, yes, they still have great players who were out there, Isak, Gimarish, um, yeah. you know, Trippier, Almiron. Um, but that's that is also a lot that they were missing in this one against a club in PSG that we still think pretty highly of that has arguably the best player in the world and Kylian Mbappe. Um, that's, that's to me. Yeah. Like there are and the like best young that, player in, in Zaire Emery. So like, yeah, that, like that's, that's a lot of talent that, that Newcastle do still have out there available to them. But I do think some of what you said, I, I think some of that is just feeding off the environment of that place. I think, you know, pushes guys to maybe run a little faster, play a little sharper because um, they this was just a, a different kind of night and an incredible performance for them. You said before you think your favorite goal of the Champions League so far through only two games, but still was the Thomason goal from Lenz. Uh, yeah. I'd like to throw Newcastle's fourth from Fabian Schar into the mix. That was spectacular kind of like from 25 yards out sort of sliding as he hits it into the top corner like that past Donnarumma. Mm. That was, that was spectacular. That goal. Yeah. I mean, that was really I actually, awesome. I actually had turned it off at that point. Oh, look it up. And did not see it. Oh, well, hmm. I don't know what to say in a moment like this, except unprofessional, uh, lazy, D- downright disgraceful. Look it up and um, then see, see how you rate it next to the Thomason one. Because it's really yeah, something. but after, I mean that's four points from their two games, a point away in Milan, and then and then a win at home. It's, it's a decent start for Newcastle, more than decent. Can I ask you a trivia question? Okay, go on. Uh, I'm getting this from Opta. 
only one club has um has played more Champions League matches than PSG's 139 without winning the competition. Who is that club? Wow. Played more games than PSG without winning the competition. Right. PSG are second on that list in terms of most Champions League appearances or games without having won. There's one is team it that another has another French club. Do you want hints? Yeah, go on. Is it another it, French club? It's not. And I'll tell you this, the difference between their 139, this club has 179. It's a lot. It's not a French club. Although I believe Lyon are third. I was going to say Lyon or Monaco. I think Lyon were third. Mm-hmm. Oh God, this is a great question. You're gonna, you should get it. I think oh, you're my. you're gonna be really mad if you don't get it. I bet our listeners are screaming right now. Okay, tell me. Go on. I, I don't. I can't tell you. I'm gonna leave it out there. I'm gonna give you some time to think as we move on. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and I'll tell you when we get to the end of this section. All uh, right. <laughs> Let's see. I guess we'll stay in that group, JJ, the group of death. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, AC Milan. I, I, I honestly don't have much to say about this. It was a high-profile matchup, but it ended nil-nil. Um, I mean, suppose the thing to talk about for us, Andrew, is is this. Uh, your friend uh, tweeted this, uh, USMNT only. Mm. Uh, Gio Reyna is an unused sub for Eden Terzic's Borussia Dortmund side for the fourth straight match across all competitions. They just drew AC Milan nil-nil at home in the Champions League. Reina hasn't played a minute for Dortmund all season. This is not good. This is this not good. Is, I I think yeah. we're we we're we're approaching. He got to go. Time. Um, he can't. He can't stay there. He's just not in this guy's plans. I mean, I don't know if this is fitness stuff. Um, I, I don't know. When he plays, I feel like he's productive and and good, and um, you know, I you know how highly I and we both think of him as a player. Um, so this is starting sat there starting on to get a little worrisome. Like... Yeah, you gotta, definitely got to go. It's 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 not happening there. He he's he should move on and go somewhere else. Uh, whether that's Syria, uh, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe another Bundesliga side. Um, I don't know, but. It doesn't feel like this breakthrough is going to happen at Borussia Dortmund. Now we'll see, you know, it's early in the season and guys will get hurt and the depth chart will get shaken up and maybe he'll be presented with an opportunity and hopefully he can stay healthy because that's always been the biggest problem for him. But as it stands right now, you got to go. Can't stay there. No. Um, Back to the question. Is it Arsenal? Yeah. See, don't you feel better that you did it yourself and that I didn't have to tell you? No, I feel sad that I didn't get first time round, and because I had Wenger on my brain from our earlier conversation, and uh, and Wenger had them perennially in the in the uh, in the Champions League, so it, it would obviously be them. It feels like they they missed a window, like that that in Henri era. How did they not get one? They they ran into Barcelona when they finally when they got to that final, they ran into Bar- Barcelona, and it was yeah. the end of that. If you look at it, that was the end of that great Arsenal era. Yeah, don't you remember then, at the opening kickoff, a fan ran out on the field and handed Henri a Barcelona jersey as oh, the game was kicking? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Because the rumors yep. were already spreading. Yeah. And they, they just hit into a 
a Ronaldinho inspired and, and Henrik Larsson inspired Barcelona that we, we didn't know was about to explode to be something completely different. And it wouldn't be under Frank Reichardt that they'd do it, which was, but then that was their winning time, Andrew. Yeah. There was more than a few years where they probably should have gone further in the Champions League in that era. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that was their only finals appearance. Yep. And the year they were the Invincibles, they went out and I think it was the quarterfinal. Yeah. Yeah. 179 Champions League matches for them. Uh, That is by far the most. And then, yeah, PSG second at 139. There you go. Great trivia question. Thank you, Opta. Um, Finally, JJ... Don't really have too much on this one either, but RB Leipzig, Manchester City. It was Nothing. tight. City won. 3-1, Manchester City. Um, they scored two late ones. The only things that I did want to say about this are, you know, Manchester City have these moments when guys are out, some certain guys are hurt. Uh, maybe they need players to step up. We know who some of the usual suspects are, obviously. Uh, but I think you are seeing the emergence of Julian Alvarez in a way that there's there's an ascendancy. Emergence. Oh, he's well emerged. But I'm saying he's, like, but what's you know, before emergence? Well, don't you think this season though has been a different Julian Alvarez than like he? Yeah, he was good last year, of course. He's getting more I, games. But I feel like th- this season, what we've seen from the start up until this point is like he's he's leveled up into genuine, like true star category. If there's if yeah, if there's a reason we haven't seen uh, much of him or haven't seen this from him before, it's simply because he hasn't played as much. He's class, absolute class. Yeah, uh, he is. He is really a special player, and I, and I, he's he's a must start. Like it, it, when they're back to full health, uh, I don't know how they'll have to arrange things, but he he can't not play. He has to play. And then the only other thing I'll say is uh, the goal to put it away in the ninety second minute. Um, once again, when when City choose to buy a player, it is not usually by accident. Um, Jeremy Doku looks like a real player as well. And the only thing that surprises me is that, cause I do trust city when they want somebody, it, like I said, it's, it's calculated, but we always say it's not usually this quickly that these players make an impact. He has come in immediately and hit the ground running for them. Um, and he looks to be a, a special player in his own right. And that is, I mean, just add him to the list. Another guy, that will that continues to allow this team to operate at a level that no other club can. It's uh, it's pretty frightening. So three one. Although it was in fairness to Leipzig, it was tight. It was one one for a long time. Um, and then what was it? The eighty first and ninety second. I think they got their goals. So, yeah, Man City. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention on the Champions League before we put it to bed. Don't have too much on it, but uh, another um, goal of the tournament candidate. Bunch of good goals coming out of this match day. Um. Antoine Griezmann, who, when it's all said and done, might go down as one of the most underrated players of this era, but he scored an absolute beaut for Atletico in a thrilling game. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to get that mention in there as well. If you haven't seen it, um, it's kind of like I don't know if I, it, not like full bicycle, but sort of like over the head kind of um, great goal. And he's he's just a special player, and uh, came up huge for them with that moment today. I can uh, enjoy him also. Any other Champions League things you wanted to mention? No, my friend. We are moving perilously close to hopefully putting a bow on uh, Vargate. For so, now. caught offside cup, the, the final chapter, maybe, 
hopefully has been written, but I don't know. Um, since we last recorded uh, the recording of the VAR conversations and the audio uh, has been released as we expected it would be, um, I don't think they did themselves any favors in releasing it, but in the name of transparency, it's brilliant that they did, that we could all hear this. Um, I have two primary takeaways from it. The first one, I will actually be complimentary of them. Um, Until everything goes horribly wrong, I was actually impressed, like, with the speed of it and how professional it all sounds. Like, it actually seemed to be working quite well, you know, delay, delay. Okay. I'm putting up offside and okay. Like they had, they had the lines marked. They had the ball at the foot of, like it was all done very quickly. And I was like, I was watching. I was like, wow, this is, this is actually quite impressive. They're doing, they're doing good. And then of course it goes horribly, horribly wrong when the VAR says check complete, check complete and thinks that he's just awarded Liverpool a goal. And oh. this is this is when it spirals, JJ. So I, I mean, obviously, all of you, I'm sure, have heard it by now. But I've just taken the uh, the transcription of when they sort of realize. So the you replay- have to do it in the in the respective accents. Okay. Well, there's there's a few. I guess I'll try to shift my voice. Uh, oh, replay God. replay operator on field yeah. decision on field decision. He's sort of a more timid one. He's no, not. He's from, to- Lo- he's from London. So he's almost he's like, the one, like he's the he's one like- who's not supposed to be speaking. He never on-field, speaks. The on-field decision was. On-field decision side. was. Are you happy was, with this image? Yeah, it's onside. The image that we gave them is onside. Assistant VAR, the left back. He's played him. He's gone. VAR. Oh, f- <laughs> he goes straight for it. Um, replay operator. Delay. Delay. Uh, Ollie, who is not. We've come to find out Michael Oliver. Um, no. It's a. It's a, a different some some other guy in like var headquarters uh in the pjo pjmol hub operation center um the replay operator saying ollie's saying to delay ollie's saying to delay var pardon replay operator ollie's calling in to say delay the game the decision is on side var can't do anything can't do anything replay operator ollie's saying to delay ollie's saying to delay var ollie then fourth official, who happens to be, I think, be Michael Oliver, thinks that he's being mm. spoken to. So he says, yeah, this is like where it becomes oh, chaotic because oh, it just it just happens to be that there's two effing Ollies in this situation. Then the replay operator again, who again, this is a guy who's not usually speaking, but he felt so compelled. He had to speak up. He go, he chimes back in. Delay the game. Delay the game. Stop the game. But then the VAR, they've restarted the game. Can't do anything. Can't do anything. Yes, you can. Darren England brushes off the operator with, uh, yeah, it's it's not good. I say yeah, this, but- I'm a Tottenham fan whose team directly benefited from this. I'm watching this video, JJ, and even I'm screaming, yes, you can stop the game. Just stop the game. Just stop it. We've seen this a million times where a guy tries to take a free kick and they're playing and the referee brings it back. No, 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 not yet. Bring it back. Bring- Just do that. Just do that. Like, but they couldn't told- remove themselves from protocol. They were so afraid of breaking protocol. And so the VAR is paralyzed in fear. And he just goes with this. And now the mess that we're in is Liverpool is demanding the game to be replayed. And VAR, as we know it, has probably been irreparably damaged. Because they wouldn't stop the effing game. Um, 
look, you can just you can see now very clearly how human error, how everything happened there. Like you can just see how it all came together or rather fell apart. Um, and, and so that's it for me, though. Like, that's it. Now, Jurgen Klopp was asked what was the only like he was asked about it and he he spoke at length. He said a lot of different things, but he did say a replay was the only would be the only um, sufficient thing. But then he went on to say that wouldn't happen. Even saying that is so friggin irresponsible. I don't know why we expected anything different on the last podcast. I think you said. No, Klopp won't want it, but the American billionaire owners aren't used to the. I think we owe an apology to American billionaire. Owners. How did we not think that the Moner in chief wouldn't be the one leading the charge for a replay of this game? Well, he's not How did leading we not, a charge, he is, though. He he's is not though. leading a charge. There is no charge. He he suggested that he thinks that will be the only way to do it to 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 uh, raise or to solve this problem. I actually don't think that's the case. Uh, mistakes happen in the games. Mistakes have happened in football all the way through. We cannot replay games because but of mistakes. He, but he doesn't accept them when they happen to him. That's how he is. We've come to, I mean, I, I don't call him that for no I reason. Think I, I think he's accepted what he, what he did, what, what he, what he shouldn't have done was um, he was so calm and stoic about it at the weekend. He obviously wanted answers as to how it could happen, but he, he I thought he was measured. We all thought he was going to lose his S and he didn't. And again, he didn't lose his ass this morning, but he just sounded he sounded unreasonable by even suggesting that. His calmness um, is unnerving. It's almost like like it's such a different approach for him that it makes me almost nervous. Like, you know, I don't blame anyone. They mistakes happen. I, I, um, I don't, but now we I, must I think kill the, them. <laughs> the club didn't handle themselves very well with their kind of um going to war a lawyer like a, a kind of a what was it like um, escalation yeah. you know like using terms like that like escalated into what and by the way you'll get a chance to escalate this when you have the premier league board meetings you, you had a chance as well to make your feelings known on automated var like the premier league voted against these are automated offsides and premier league voted against this but like i'm telling you man I've been batting away the crazies for a while. This is the the the. So I tweeted um, when Klopp talks about. Uh, I think the only outcome should be a replay. Something like that has never happened. No, that's the Sky Sports taking the best part of the Klopp talking at length. That's the video. I said, I I tweeted. He says much more than that, but he also did say it, and I wish he hadn't. And I really do wish he hadn't. Um, and then I get a listener. I won't read out his handle. Um, I hope you get to discuss the elephant in the room. The one thing no one seems to want to talk about because it it borders on tinfoil theory, if without evidence. The alleged possibility. That's my favorite line. The alleged possibility. Mm -hmm. I've never heard those words put together like that. It's an alleged possibility that the referees went into the game intending to lead it away from the specific team. And who is alleging this? Well, exactly. No, but it doesn't matter. He is this guy. Th- this this man is doing this, right? Then, uh, yesterday in the DMs, I got this salute belter. This is this is so good. This is so unhinged. It's mad, and it's leading from our conversation where I brought up the fact I don't think, and I'm talking about 
looking, uh, I'm talking about what looks improper. I'm talking about impropriety here. I'm not actually saying that Darren England took money from the United Arab Emirates to throw a Liverpool game or to, to disrupt a Liverpool game. I am not saying that. What I am saying is I don't think it's great that refs should do that, should be traveling mid-season from another league to take cash from. You think that from more of like an exhaustion jet lag perspective than, and, and than just a conspiracy from a perception, one? And a perception view. Oh, okay. Because it will bring out the loonies. It will absolutely bring them out. And it puts undue pressure, as Ollie Kay said in his article in The Athletic, it puts undue spotlight on referees who already have enough spotlight on them. And VARs, wait for this one. Definitely not reading this guy's handle. Um, so we, me and you basically batted that away. We said we do not believe there's any conspiracy here. No. Between I feel the UAE, weird almost entertaining it. This is great. I know, because there's some doozies of lines in it. Please let me do this. Oh, yeah, I, all right, all right. Um, do you think they would do something? You said well, they wouldn't do something so damn obvious. He goes, do you think they would do something so damn obvious? What, like murder and dismember a U.S. citizen after he visits an embassy? wasn't a U.S. citizen. He was green, a cardholder. Shoot down a plane of the guy who attempted a coup. You think these those people fall out of office buildings? You have no idea who we are dealing with. None. May God help you. I don't want to laugh. It's, I mean, those are serious things. I know, but... I mean, it's it's a whole mixtrum gedrum of of allegations here, and um, uh, those things happen in the shadows, right? Cell phone and bank records with full unedited audio and video. It should be easy to prove your innocence. Like this guy's already decided that they're guilty. Something... But that's and, the point, though. Yeah. If you want to keep that guy, and and the, and thousands others like him, who on 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 Twitter and across, and and some people not on Twitter who believe these things. If you want to keep your competition looking uh, stream uh, very, very uh, above board and, and streamlined and, and everything else, you do not allow them to, to do what they did. Um, travel back eight hours as well the day before the game. No, 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 no. Can't do it. Yeah. So I have nothing else to say. I'm, I'm okay with it now. I'm over it. Like I grew yeah. up in the era where a linesman would just do that to you. Put the flag up. He'd just do it. Get it wrong. And that was it. You'd be absolutely annoyed afterwards. You'd be so annoyed, but you had to accept it. I think the Premier League, JJ, has said that they're not considering a replay as an option. Of course they're not. So, I mean, the, that... I, no precedent for it. Yeah, I think it can be put to bed and... Um, it's yeah. not going away. It's just no, not. No, it won't. I mean, and these teams are going to play again, and that's going to be quite an event. Um, cause it's going to be at Anfield and that, I mean, we're, that fan base wants blood. And so that, that will be, that will be quite a caught offside cup. They're all something that one will be maybe the, other than the champions league final, maybe the most highly anticipated one yet. We'll see where those teams are at the table too. At that point, it could, I mean, it could really be a massive one with the, all of this as a backdrop. Um, so yeah, hopefully this is the end, but it's, it's not the end. It just is not the end. You got anything else? Anything else from the, the past couple of days that you wanted to mention here before we get out? God, no. I think I've exhausted everything. There's so much spinning in my brain right now. Yeah. Um, I'll remember it and do it on the next pod if I've forgotten it. Yeah. One one thing to mention before we go, as uh, there was a full MLS slate tonight as we were recording, um, Messi 
there was a lot of talk about this match in Chicago and player and fans getting credits for next season games. If Messi didn't play, I mean, everyone's just leaning into this now. Like there's no more illusion here. Like they are just telling you, yeah, yeah, he's bigger than the league. So despite the yeah. fact that like, he is not even on our team and it's an opposition, we'll give you credits to see our team play. If you, if he doesn't, um, I mean, it's it, really it's, incredible. It's extraordinary. I think it was Christine Cooper said it was bizarre and, and, like they shouldn't be doing that. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. And I, I don't think fans would expect that. Like you, when you like imagine JJ for a second, if the NBA adhered to some kind of policy where guys just sit out for absolutely no reason, like with no warning, like if you paid a ton of money to see LeBron and he's just not playing that night, cause he's not playing, then like, there's no credit. You missed it. Like you kind of know this as a fan, it sucks. Um, but MLS is he's Messi's bigger than the league, and so they are certain clubs are, are leaning into this. And he didn't play, and Inter Miami lost, and it's a, a damaging blow to their playoff hopes. He um, currently is the league right now. He is the whole. He is so much of the focus of the league. Yes, right um, now he is, and it'll be interesting to see because they lost tonight, so their their postseason hopes are in trouble. And it'll be interesting to see, like we talked about, it, what happens if they don't make the playoffs. Um, and and everyone when when that team is healthy, everyone has seen what they look like. We all kind of acknowledge eh, they they might be the best team in the league. Like it's going to be a weird thing for them to not be in it, but that's the way it works. So I'll, I'm excited. Like the playoffs, like we say, is what we're always like. All of this is building up to that. Um, you know, a regular season that sometimes, especially with the expanded postseason now with more teams involved, like it, it causes us to question a little bit just the value of the regular season uh, so the playoffs is what it's all about and i can't wait for us to finally reach that point and uh i'll be all in but there will be a little bit of weirdness for a team that i consider to probably be the best team uh to not be playing in it but well pat noonan uh newly minted um supporter shield winner yeah he thinks the supporter shield is everything and uh Kind of outranks MLS Cup now, so that's a nice thing to say immediately after you've won it. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe he felt that way before. I don't know, but I'm not calling I, him I, a liar. But yeah, I know where he's coming from, but I also think new. No, that's not. I mean, they look. It's a it's a huge success, and it's. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's nothing. It's valuable. It's a really valuable trophy, but. This is this is a postseason it was an ordin- like it's it MLS an Cup ordinary is what it's league. about. Yeah, if it was an ordinary league format, of course it would be, but um, it's not. So yeah. Um, all right, so there you go. I got nothing else. JJ uh, should be a fun weekend. I can't wait for Manchester City and Arsenal. That'll be a great one. Um, we'll see uh, just what Bukayo Saka's status is. I'm sure sometime over the next 24 to 48 hours, we'll have a better idea about that. I hope he plays. I mean, I, I just want to see those two teams at their um, at their best. Um, so, you know, that, that should be, that should be a fun one, uh, this weekend. When is that? I'm just looking through quickly now. That's this, yeah, the last game on Sunday. Um, so there you go. And then JJ, you guys have a a big one as well. Brighton against Liverpool, um, at the Amex. That should be a, a, a fun one too. So Sunday is really the marquee, the marquee matchups. I feel like. Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, I got nothing else, JJ. I got nothing else. Fun set of champions league fixtures. Enjoyed them. Um, JJ, to you I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care.
You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.